Good morning and welcome to Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. It is Thursday morning, the 3rd of August. A very good morning to everybody listening to us through 4SB in Kingaroy, 4ZR in Roma, 4VL in Charleville, 4HI in Emerald, 4LM Mount Isa, 4LG Longridge, 4GC Charters Towers and the Hot Country Network. Good morning to you. So much to get through this morning and if you've missed any of our previous episodes, you can always go on to Spotify. And there is Rural Queensland today with Ben Dobbin. Big, big show for you this morning, and I hope you've been enjoying the show this week. We've been covering off a lot. This morning is pretty significant. Um, The first transgender jockey to win an apprentice premiership in the bush is Tyler Leslight. He joins us this morning from Barcaldon, and his story is quite remarkable and brave. And you can judge all you like, but he's coming on the show, and I'm really honoured to have him on. I think he, uh, it's a very brave position that he is. We'll catch up with Dr. Sarah Whalen, uh, missing persons expert. This week is National Missing Persons Week. Simon Irwin, the CEO of Beef Australia, will join us. We'll have a look at the Dolby Marker Report and much, much more. It's a big show for you. It is the 3rd of August, rural Queensland today. You're with Ben Dobbin across the Resonate Broadcast Network. Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Um, look, I tell you what, this is a... Awesome thing that's just been announced. Simon Irwin, CEO of Beef Australia, joins us this morning and they've announced their participation for the industry leaders and mentors of the highly competitive 2023-2024 Graham Acton Beef Connections Program. Now, this is a unique mentoring program um, and Simon Irwin has been doing an amazing job as we count down to what will be epic, epic um, Beef Expo next May. Simon, good morning. Thank you so much for giving me some time this morning, mate. I really appreciate it. Jobbo, good to talk to you again. Um, look, obviously, this mentoring program, the Graham Actor Mentoring Program, you know, it, it is huge. But wow, the the calibre of people that you've got mentoring this program, you know, it, it is elite to say the least. I think, uh, Jobbo, it just shows that this is the fourth time the program's been put on. And I think people now actually appreciate um, what it's done. So there is a track record of seeing people go into it and what they go on to do. So it's been the alumni of the program now going on to the leadership positions across agriculture. And it's just so wonderful to see people who have huge industry knowledge, who have great success, have you know their own CVs, the pages and pages and pages, giving up their time to help mentor the next crop of ag leaders coming through, and it's just really yeah, it's, it's heart genuinely heartwarming. And I think the other thing with the whole program is it's such a mix. You've got people from you know NT Cattlemen's Association, Isabel Heffernan, down to ag tech to agents to breeders sure. to processors to like it, it's yeah it's just a wonderful wonderful program yeah it certainly is the mentors that will be involved in this program and it began in may and so it's underway richard rains who was very very well known formerly of sanger but just been you know director of immediate past chair of the Xander mcdonald award uh mentoring uh lauren angus you've got sam noon director of sjn rural um he's mentoring phoebe eckerman georgie somerset who was on the show yesterday uh, we know Georgie. She's mentor- mentoring Isabel Heffernan. Joe Palmer, founder and managing director of the Pointer Remote, um, mentoring um, Jean Le- Lieberg. Anthony Lee, chief executive officer of ACC, uh, mentoring Xavier McCluskey. Rebecca Arnott, um, just 
killing it at the moment. Uh, product manager for Farm Animals ANZ and Vitricol Australia, uh, mentoring Emily McNair. Tammy Crucco, uh, leadership consultant and coach. Um, she's mentoring Liam Cameron. Prue Bonfield, um, and we all know the Bonfields and Prue and David very well. Uh, she's mentoring Amy Wicks. Georgie Alley is obviously mentoring uh, Georgia Dale. And Aaron Kylie, director of uh, vice president of Queensland Farmers Federation based out of Emerald, mentoring Lachlan Smith. I mean, this is an exceptional group of mentors and future leaders. Mate, the countdown's on. I know there's a board meeting on today. Um, how are things looking? Everybody, I mean, you can't get a joint. You can't get a, a room there. It's booked out. Um, and the anticipation for Beef 2024, it's, I don't think it's ever been as great, Simon. I think what it is, Dobbo, that you know, last in 21, which was in the middle of COVID, I think it was such a surprise that it actually happened, yeah. that it sort of just dropped on everybody at the last minute. Whereas now... Um, I, I agree. I think there is a real buzz around what is happening. And, you know, with what we've done, and you very kindly helped us publicise it with Airbnb and Hip Camp yep. and Camplify and the glamping tents and Kent City. And, you know, um, we're actually now looking particularly for international uh, visitors to be able to house them down in Gladstone because if you're in Gladstone, you can put people on a bus. And it's just such an interesting trip up here because you go past the gas plants and you go past the the uh, the explosive plants and you can you can have a bit of a look around on the way so we think that'll be there cap coast is full your poon and no it, it's just wonderful i think the whole thing's really starting to come together and i think the thing with beef as you well know is there's actually something for everyone and i i always say if from eight until five like it's a cattle show it's all about the beef 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 uh, from 5 to 7.30, though, we want it to be a community carnival, you know, like Eat Street, a combination of Eat Street and South Bank and all those fun things with entertainment and eating and all that. And then from 7.38 on, well, that's your big entertainment when you've got your cultural pieces and your big balls and your hats and heels and all that. So we're really looking forward to um, yeah, involving everybody. Yeah, it's going to be very, very special. There's no two ways about it. Um, you know, I, I can't wait for some of the big announcements that are going to come because there's lots in the pipeline. And I know you and I have shared some some really exciting things that, you, that you're bringing. Um, and that's, that's an important part of what beef is about, that you bring new stuff. But I think the appetite from industry to want to be involved, Simon, that's probably the biggest tick for you guys. Um, in years gone by, it was like, but there's never been more demand, more industry wanting to, hey, I want to have a stall. Hey, I want to, I want to be involved yeah. in this. It, 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 the pendulum has swung where you guys now control, well, hang on, you, you need to tick a few boxes before you join this, which makes it elite, which makes it at the premiere of all expos around the world and it can compete with any show in America or anything the way it's heading. Yeah, and you're right. And it's been uh, it's been really gratifying to see the number of people have who have applied for sites here. Unfortunately, what it means is I'll spend the next month uh, managing a bit of disappointment because um, you can't you can't put a hundred things in the fifty spots. But um, yeah. It's um, it's certainly very healthy for it. I think it shows just when you start to hear a bit of doom and gloom on the cattle industry, you see a yearling bull go for 360 grand. 
um, you know, there's, there's a bit of life left in the head, I reckon. Yeah, you're dead right. You're dead right. Look, it, it is well and truly under a year. We are on the countdown and things are starting to hot up. There is new things going to be announced. And what we might just try and do um, is really um, speak to parts of your team over the next course of the next six months. You know, every month there's something new to try and to try and get people. But this mentoring program, which kicked off, um, you know, the mentors announced Richard Rain, Sam Noon, Georgie Somerset, Joe Palmer, Anthony Lee, Rebecca Arnott, Tammy Krakow, um, Prue Bonfield, George Alley and Aaron uh, Kiley, which is just huge. Um, massive, massive mentors for the Graham Acton Beef Connections Mentoring Program. Fantastic. Simon, always great to talk to you, mate. Um, I can't wait to share a beer with you. I know you're busy. Uh, enjoy the yeah, board meeting mate. today, mate, right in your wheelhouse. Just what you love. <laughs> Thanks very much, Dobbo. Look forward to catching up. See you, mate. Good on you. Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Welcome back to Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network, the 3rd of August, Thursday morning. Uh, Tyler Leslie is making news, and for many reasons, but he's recently been crowned champion Bush Apprentice um, for the 2022-2023 season. He joins us this morning on Rural Queensland today, based out of Murrumbah and riding 41 winners in the Bush circuit. What a great story, but there is more to it. Tyler, good morning. Thank you so much for being with us. No, thanks for having me on. Firstly, congratulations. Um, I mean, this was your goal as a 23-year-old to win, uh, based out of Murrumbah, um, to, to win a premier, Premiership Jockey of the Year. I mean, you would have liked to have won the big one. You were very close, but you must be terribly proud to obviously tick one box off of what is going to be a very long career. Oh, yeah, look, it was the goal from the start of the season. And, uh, look, the, the Senior Jockey Premiership, it only become the second goal probably two weeks out. You know, the goalpost changed when I'd already accomplished the, the kids' one. Um, but to only get beaten by two wins, you know, against a jockey that's been riding for a lot longer than me, you know, that that's okay with me. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Um, you, you know, when you go into these kind of things, you, you, you've got obviously a lot of people to thank. But, you know, Bevan, Billy Johnson, we all know, you, you know, he's been a huge part of, of your achievement. You've also... Obviously, a very good jockey, and you've been on some good horses. But to back you like he did, unbelievable. Yeah, look, they give me an opportunity when no one else wouldn't. You know, I I was injured at the time, and I actually was looking for a new master, and I just got a phone call from Bell and and um, actually just chasing a jockey for Cowboy on a particular day. But uh, the phone call ended with a job offer. So um, two days later, I hit the road, and um, I was at Moranbar and. Actually, since we've relocated to Bar Calden over Christmas, so um, that's where we're at now. Yeah, how's Bar Calden treating you? You like it? The tree of knowledge? Yeah, yeah. You, you go <laughs> yeah. There, the tree of knowledge. You've got, I mean, you've got the bloody water ski park. There's everything there. Um, and, you know, Billy's yeah. had so much success out of there, obviously, with some very good horses. Yeah, yeah. Look, it's a, it's a great little town, a great little country town, and there's lots of things to do. You know, I try and do as much as I can in the time that I do have. You know, we've got... The barrel racing was on a couple of months ago and I had a crack at that and have done that before. <laughs> it wasn't much good, but uh, I guess I'll stick to the gallops. <laughs> hey, okay, well, let's talk about the big story and it, and it's in the in the Courier-Mail today and, I, and I, I think it's an awesome story, firstly, that, you, that you've shared and one that, you know, in a lot of ways will be a big talking point and the fact that you've come on the show this morning speaks volumes. But obviously... You transitioned um, years ago, and you've obviously in a racing game now, which has been very much gender 
Pacific and it's been very much, you know, you're a bloke, you're a bloke, you're, you're a female jockey, you're a female jockey. How was that and how nervous were you when you got into it um, to start off with? I respect you for everything that you've done. I, I mean that genuinely, but I'd love some insight into how that was for you when you first made that decision and then how you were accepted into the racing game. Oh, look, I was always worried coming into the racing and, and it's a scary unknown, I suppose, but <clears throat> on my second meeting, I was at August Eller and, and, and it was a bit of a sticky day and a bit, and I was put in a couple of awkward positions and Mel actually put a thing up on Facebook and pulled everybody into line pretty quick. Yeah. And um, from that point on, I've had no issues whatsoever and, and the racing fraternity has been nothing but supportive. And um, I'm just glad that I could get the, the apprentice of the year just to prove the fact that as I've wanted to all along, I'm just a jockey and I'm trying to be a good one. And um, I think this just highlights that more than anything else. Yeah, I, I think in a lot of ways your story will change a lot of people's perspective. And I don't know if you deliberately want to be the face of that or or even if you feel that that's your duty, you just want to be a jockey and accept it as a jockey. But do you realise just the uh, unbelievable impact that you're going to have? Because to be honest with you, there is you know young women out there that feel that they, they would like to transition and are scared don't know how to go about it there are blokes who would like to do it it's a it's a subject that probably is a little bit taboo in the bush but what you're doing is breaking down barriers oh everyone says that to me and i don't think that i quite understand the impact that it's made because as everyone said to everybody i'm just doing my own thing and um and it happened to just come along with it but I did say from the start that I thought, bugger it, I'll just use it as an opportunity to make things easier for other people. Um, it's not about me. And I tried not to make it about me. And as I said, you know, just trying to be the best that I could be. Yeah. Um, but if I can help a few people along the way as well, uh, yeah, but that's only better. It, it's just interesting because it's such a huge thing in the metropolitan areas and just in the bush, it's probably at this moment a little uncommon. That would be fair to say. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, look, I'd probably be the only one out in the Central West District, I'd say. You know, but <clears throat> you'd be surprised how, you know, how good people are in the bush. Everyone would think the stigma would be worse, but they're probably the most genuine, kind people that you'll find out this way, you know. They're all hardworking and they respect you for your work ethic and your attributes and, and, and nothing much beyond that. So, mate, you obviously um, win the Apprentice this year and what, what a great championship for the bush. Billy's been a big part of it, and um, and obviously you've got on some good horses as well. What's the next step? You obviously, you know, to win the senior premiership, and, and I mean, you've got the, the legendary Mount Isa jockey Day Ballard out of there. You've got, you know, like you've got, there's some real, real good, you know, jockeys getting around. But do you, do you stay in the bush, or, or, or have you got bigger things? Do you want to get to a metropolitan town? What's the plan? Oh, look, um, we want to get through the Birdsville circuit first. I'll be doing that this year. Yeah. Um, and we've started talking about what, what the next 12 months looks like. Nothing is set in stone just yet, but, um, you know, there's a possibility of going on a three-month stint with, with a provincial trainer. Uh, that's once I get my provincial license. That is, I've just got to get that. Yeah. Um, and, and then the other option is, you know, I stay here. I ride at, you know, the midweeks at Rockhampton, Townsville and that, and then come back and ride on the Saturdays in the bush because of the limited jockey availability. Sure. You know, Billy probably... Yeah, yeah, there's a lot. It's a real shortage. ...needs me. Yeah. Mm. And especially ones that can ride the weights. You know, there's a few out there that can't ride, be, you know, below 60 kilos. You know, 
I'm lucky enough that I can ride down to the minimum weight and claim off it. So I'm privileged with that. However, I wasn't at the start. No. <laughs> I was pretty heavy when I first started. Um, yeah. I think yeah. my riding weight was 57 and a half when I, when I won on Cowboy, my first winner. So, you know, we, we got it down and we got it there. But, um, you know, I just sort of take it as it comes and you never know what opportunity may arise after Birdsville. You know, if I was to get a phone call from somebody pretty big and special, you know, I'd give it a go. But always start with three months and Barcordon's always going to be home to me. So, Tyler, where, do you, where are you born and bred? Where do you originate from? I was born um, down in Northern Rivers in Moorwollombar and yep. I lived down that way for a little bit and I did a stint in Victoria when my parents separated and I was down there for a bit. So I started as a stable hand down there and as you're probably aware, the racing game's pretty tough down there to get an in sure. and um, I, I couldn't get an in at all, even to try and ride track work. I just couldn't get a job. So, you know, after trying that for a couple of years, I thought, bugger it, I moved to Queensland. I come up here and... Um, Actually, I was just riding work at Oakey Racecourse and one of the Queensland educators came out to do an evaluation on one of the apprentices and he seen me there and he said, mate, if you can get down to 56, I'll give you a license. And I just went, oh, this can happen. <laughs> so from that point on, that was the goal and it took me 12 months, jump out some trials and whatnot and to get my ticket. But um, once I did and come to build, you know, the rest is history. Do you think in Melbourne and in Victoria that there was a little bit of, and I'm not, you know, it's a tough game. But do you think that there was a little bit of discrimination at that stage? Oh, maybe early days. But in saying that, like, in Victoria, it's a very hard game to get into, even in the Apprentice Academy. Like, you've got to know somebody or be somebody or have a really powerful last name. You know, it's a hard hard way to get in, and it's hard if you're not, you know, some champion. And I'm not an idiot. I know I'm not the prettiest rider in the world, and I've got lots to learn, but um, I do have a go. Yeah. I'll have a go for anybody, whether it's Bill or Tanya Parry or any of them. Like I rode a winner for her at Caulfield the other day, which helped her in the premiership to beat my boss. But that's racing, you know. Yeah. You have a go for everybody, and I try and do that for everybody. The big story out of it is that you're there and you love racing and that you've been accepted in rural and regional Queensland. And I think that speaks volumes um, for where this industry is going. I do believe that you are – obviously, the, the spotlight will be – I mean, you're in the Courier Mail today, and I think, you know, four pages in in, in the Courier Mail, um, and it's a big story. You can understand the, mm. the, the public interest, but I don't think it's going to change you in any way In that, that you're there because you just love racing. And I think that the way that the bush is going and the, the, the way that the industry is going, I think it speaks volumes and that you can say that, you know what, you know, you, you, you are who you are. Um, and you're proud of that. And I think that other people listening and, and people knowing, you know, accept people in this day and age of their choices. And then the good news is that there, there might be some somebody there who who feels like you and, and, and thinks that and, and, and that this might give them the kickstart that they can be straight up and honest with who they are, which I know you didn't. That's not the reason you're doing this interview. I understand that. But gee whiz, it could make a difference. It's pretty powerful. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with trying to do something good along the way. And um, if I can help anybody in their aspect of life, you know, that that's, that's, that's a great thing, you know. And I just, um, everything would be going on today. You know, you said about the Courier Mail and stuff, but I'm still here at Bar Colden. 
shoveling horse manure and riding track work this morning. It's just a regular day in the office. <laughs> I like that. Hey, lovely to talk to you. Real, real honour to talk to you. Congratulations on the Jockey Premiership the, for the Apprentice Jockey of the Year in the bush. Uh, well done to Bevan. He's had so much success and he's a good human as well. Uh, appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Tyler Leslie, thank you so much for being with us. Oh, thanks having me on. Good on you. Rural Queensland today. We'll take a break. Come back with more. Welcome back to Rural Queensland today. Let's head to Dolby. 5,500 head yarded yesterday. Anthony Highland joins us this morning. Good morning, Anthony, from Grant Daniel Long St. George. Uh, thank you so much for being with us. A, a big yarding in Dolby yesterday. Yeah, it was a big yarding, Ben. Um, an increase there of sort of seven, you know, 700 up on last week, but uh, could have been a bit of rain that knocked a few cattle out, uh, you know, to the north, and, and they've turned up this week. So it's a bigger yarding. Uh, it was nearly a 50 50 split between, you know, plus 400 cattle and, 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 and under. Um, you know, stores to feeders and, and fat cattle. So, um, yeah, yarding was, uh, probably a little bit better for the, for the better end of the quality of the yarding. Saying that, we still did see, um, you know, a, probably more lighter heifers hitting the market this week. But look, I think it, it wasn't really any cheaper in the stores and the fat cattle were stronger again. Yeah, I mean, that's the big thing. So the prime, let's talk about that prime cattle job, the cow job. How was it? Yeah, well, the, the best of them and, and, and a lot of good cow, like really good cows, Ben, $2.35 to $2.40. Um, and saying that, the, they were wanting to kick them at sort of $2.20 and $25, but they were making their, their 35 to 40 for the good lead cows. And that basically followed trend, um, you know, through to the, you know, four to 500 kilo cows, uh, still relatively uh, stronger, um, but probably seen a, from the top end of the next run, probably a 10 or 15 cent gap. Um, but averages are, are, are well up on, you know, the last previous couple of weeks. Um, you know, those mid-range cows two weeks ago were $1.60 or 70 well, today they're $1.90. Uh, same with the fat cows, could have been $2.15. Well, we're sort of just knocking on $2.30 at an average. So it's improved. Um, and, you know, a couple of processes from the south have been active up here to secure some fat cattle. So they've certainly helped, um, you know, help that process inside of it. Bullock's been uh, a few more starting to come through. Um, and, and, you know, we are getting the, the, the $3.00. Uh, hit and, and a little bit better for the really good bullocks. Some of them just off the pace are going to the feeder operators this last week. Um, they're just trying to, uh, they need some cattle evidently with weight. And, and if they're just not quite bullock, they'll, they'll, they're not afraid to put them on feed too. Yeah, and that's the big thing. Um, you know, the feeder job as well is starting to be strong, the 100 day contract market. So you're seeing a jump in that feeder price as well, aren't you? Yeah, we have. And, and, and when you look at the report and you see what, what's been going on in the market, it's probably the first time in a long time that the feeder price is averaging better than the store price. Yeah. Um, you know, normally your stores are 20 or 30 cents here in, in, you know, and wherever it's at. But right at the moment, we've seen, we've seen the switch and, and, um, you know, feeders there yesterday, uh, you know, 380 to 450 kilos quite consistently at, at, at $3.40 for the right cattle. Um, and, and we did see a little bit of three dollars fifty on some really good steers, sort of four twenty kilos. Um, you know, just the right cattle. 
But um, it, it is a first time in a long time we've seen the feeder, the feeder price in front of the store price, yeah. Well, you know, the thing about it is that, you know, like moving forward, you, you can watch that. The store job, um, like those little hand-painted steers and heifers, how was that market? Yeah, they were, again, Ben, it comes down to a bit of a line. You know, you, if you're presenting cattle to the market, you always do want to have a bit of a line a line of cattle. And, and the lines of cattle that are turning up that are weaned uh, 240 to 280 kilos, um, yeah, they're sought after. You know, they're they're making you know three forty to three sixty. Um, the the cattle that just come off the pace of, of a uh, breed type or, or or only a half a pen of them or thereabouts. There's a big opportunity there for a buyer to put a few cattle together there. You know, they're uh, on three dollars or sub three. Um, so the lines of cattle are, are, are being rewarded, especially if they're weaned and they're <clears throat> realistically 240 to 280 kilos. Um, there's, a, there's, a, there's a bit of an appetite. Yeah, I, I think so. I think it's wonderful. Um, you know, I think that this market is going to improve. Um, that's the big thing about it. Um, and I think that, you know, we should hope that we've seen the bottom of it. That's the big thing. And off the back of that... Uh, that that leads me to be a little bit more confident where this job's going. Uh, seasonally, we need uh, we need some rain. Um, all the doom and gloom doesn't help anybody at the moment, but that's that's part of being in the bush. Um, <laughs> that seems to be the way they are. How? Just a snapshot of the Balon and through there, mate, from a seasonal perspective. Um, yeah, no, it, it's it's no worse. Um, I can say that, <laughs> but uh, no rain basically. Uh, to speak of for quite some time. Um, the crop that's in, there's a, there is a few paddocks of oats here and, and, it, and it's going all right and cattle are on it and they're using it. Um, but yeah, look, we're going to want some rain. Um, realistically, there's, there's still a, <laughs> I can say this and that, but it, it's not it's not that bad for what rain we had had this year. And, um, you know, the irrigators are trying to have a bit of a go with what they've got left and you know, every, everyone's just trying to keep a, uh, an upbeat trend about it all but you know we'll just have to see what this spring shapes up for us like won't we yeah that's right anthony highland we're, great we're, not, to... you know, we're not we're not we're not far away from the spring so hopefully there's a spring in the step yeah thank you um thank you so much for being with us this morning appreciate it and, and a good snapshot of dolby thanks ben you have a good week good on you anthony highland we'll take a break come back with more this is rural queensland today it's the 3rd of august the thursday morning across the resonate broadcast network Welcome back to Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Samantha O'Toole joining us this morning, Ballonshire Mayor. Uh, Sam, good morning. Thank you so much for being with us on this Thursday morning. Yeah, no, absolutely fabulous to be here this morning, Double. Yeah, great to talk. Western Queensland's Alliance of Councils. Now, the 22-member councils of the Western Queensland Alliance completed their local housing action plan um, by the end of June. Now, it was as planned. It was a $200,000 state grant. What were the outcomes? Because this is a big, big factor uh, for regional Queensland that we address the housing issue and the fact that the councils were committed and are looking at this, are looking at an action plan to stop homelessness, to try and get more houses there and identify the need for diversity. How do we go about getting some outcomes? Well, the fabulous outcome from the 22 councils doing these local housing action plans is that every council got to have a really good overview of what the housing issues were specific to their communities and then identify, you know, 
um, actions, I suppose, to uh, rectify the situation. Because although we all have housing shortages in Western Queensland, the reason for those shortages are a little bit different in some of the communities. So, you know, what's impacting Longreach may not be the same as in St George. So we, I know from a Boulogne perspective, we adopted ours in June. We actually have a, um, a committee or an action committee that's um, implementing those plans now and really look at, looked at, you know, what are the key priorities? Is it land we need to get to market? Is it infrastructure we need to get into the ground? Or is it funding that we need, um, you know, for community and aged care housing, for example? So I think it's a really good tool for all of the councils to get into the nitty-gritty now of what actually needs to be accomplished in the short term. Yeah, and that, and that's the big thing. I mean, the, the regions and the councils involved, Boulogne, Barcaldine, Baku, Blackhall, Tambo, Bulia, Bulu, Burke, Carpentaria, Cloncurry, Diamond Team, Dumanji, Etheridge, Flinders, Longreach, Maranoa, McKinlay, Mount Isa, Mayweather, Paru, Quilpy, Richmond, and Witten. So we're covering most of Western Queensland. The thing about it is, and and the thing about it is, that that's where the help is needed. Now, it doesn't happen overnight, Sam. I, I understand that. So, how long do we can see some, some some actual improvement? I understand you guys can get a place. What's the next process? Well, I think depending on the council, like from from a Boulogne perspective, one of the issues that we've got is getting additional land out onto the market. So we're working, uh, we had a meeting only a fortnight or so ago with the state government identifying other land parcels that may be available to be brought onto the market in the short term. And as soon as we can get some subdivisions approved and freeing up land to to be available, um, that will happen. So I think probably before Christmas, you know, we'll have land available on the market. We did have an auction earlier this year and sold all the available council land that we did have up up our sleeve. But for other communities, it's um, it, they might have identified aged care or living in place funding or low socioeconomic funding. So those particular councils will be seeking either state or federal funding to try to build the houses that are required in those areas. Sure. And I think, I think Ben, for some of us, the biggest holdup is going to be um, access to tradies. You know, if we um, have land available in St. George today, uh, getting a tradie to start building a house is probably 12 months down the track. Yeah. And so a few of us are also looking at what are some shortcut outcomes that we could possibly implement, bringing in some transportable homes or freeing up other facilities that may be able to be used for temporary housing, you know, in the next six to 12 months until we can get some longer term um, permanent solutions on the ground. Yeah, well, that's the big thing as well, isn't it? And And you've got to look at that. Good news for country university centres. You've you put two country university centres, one at Dirrambandi, one at St George, and the study hubs for uni and TAFE students. So that's very, very handy, and people will be able to study remotely. That's something you're very keen on, and I think we all are. We need to get more people wanting to stay in these towns to study remotely to do their degrees so they can stay in the bush rather than having to go to the city to study and then they stay there and we lose them out of regional Queensland. A hundred percent. So in the um, project that we've been running in the Boulanchar over the last two, two and a half years, you know, the success really can be seen in our numbers, even in a very small location. You know, we were the smallest community to receive one of these country hubs. We had over 90 students enrolled last semester in St. George and Durham Bandy. And so you can see how much it means to our local community to be able to study locally, to stay, to work part-time, or you might be a parent that's studying on the side. But for that skill development long-term for a community like ours, it's just so valuable, Ben. And I keep thinking, you know, three or four years down the track, that allows us to grow, you know, nurses and teachers and, and other um, key skills that we need in our community long-term. So I was really excited 
to see the recent announcement about the network being expanded. Obviously, we've done a lot of advocacy work on behalf of other councils. You know, knowing the success we're getting in Bologna, it would be great to see that opportunity opened up right around Western Queensland. Yeah, I, I love that. I love the fact that you're doing that. How are you going with the Murray-Darling Basin? I mean, we've had the – I mean, can you please go and talk to Tan, Tanya Plibersek down there in Canberra and tell her to smell the coffee? Seriously, what is she doing? I mean, every single thing. This is going to have a massive and dire effect if she takes from, from your town and from your allocation, which she's trying to do. The, the, you guys have met every demand and everything possible, yet it's not enough. And so – it could be dire straits for your town. Oh, 100%. So I've been in the minister's office a lot over the last 12 months, and thankfully she's been on the ground here in Boulogne. But we've been advocating really strong for working with community around solutions to get to our goals. Like we realise we've got 14 gigs to still come out of the lower Boulogne, which is a massive number. And it's not without challenges, Ben, you know, better than most people, what that's going to do to our local economy, which is so agricultural-based. But I keep arguing it's not just about the number, but it's how we get to the number. And we need to take the lessons that we've learned in the past and bring them forward into the future so that we can minimize the socioeconomic impact in our communities as this purchasing is occurring. But you're right, looking longer afield, you know, with the Sidland projects and some of the other major things that are going on at the moment and the recent announcements about them not meeting the deadlines of June 2024, I think all basin communities are really concerned about what the future is going to bring for us. Yeah, unbelievable. Um, (laughs) Anyway, we've banged on about it enough. They they just don't get it. They don't get it. Hey, Sam, great to chat. Really good to chat. Enjoy your weekend. Go the Frill next. They um they are they're going along just nicely. I saw they had a win up in, in Dolby on Saturday, which was good for them. So the Frill next yeah. are still alive at the moment. Yeah, both the ladies and the Frillies are doing really well because our girls seventh team is also through yep. to the semifinals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I hope they have a really good weekend. Um, yeah, and I do our community proud for being such a small district population wise we tend to be pretty competitive on the rugby field which is fantastic yeah it's a good one uh, I saw them all there after their B grade semi win they were very happy I mean you know nothing yeah. nothing reeks rugby union after a victory than a cigarette and a beer and most of them were doing that so <laughs> it was good things hey Sam great to chat thanks so much thanks Dabo thanks for the opportunity take care good on you Samantha O'Toole Ballon Shire Mayor uh, this is Rural Queensland today we'll take a break come back with more Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network, University of New England's missing person expert joining us this morning, Dr. Sarah Whalen joining us. And this week is National Missing Persons Week. I can only imagine if you had somebody in your family that just went missing and you had no answers. Harrowing. Are they alive? Are they not? Where are they? What's the story? And there's no trace. Sarah, good morning. Thank you so much for being with us. Not a problem. 55,000 Australians were reported missing last year, up more than 35% in three years. Now, while most are found within a week, 1% to 2% go on becoming long-term missing person. This is just harrowing. And, I mean, this is missing beyond three months. I mean, I can only imagine. I'm, I'm, you know, I don't even want to think what it would be like. I think that there's probably about 3,000 families across Australia at the moment that are long-term missing persons' families. So some of those have been waiting six months, a year, but up to 20, 30, 40 years, not having information that tells us what happened to their loved ones. So, I mean, the impact on this, you know, if this happens to a family, is detrimental. And we've got to think about that. It's not only the person 
And look, I'm not trying to in any way talk. Some people just don't want to be found. I get that. But a lot have come, unfortunately, um, towards foul play and we never know the full story. Mm-hmm. But the grief and, and the despair that the families have to live on and go on with, that's the they're also the real victims in this situation. Completely. I think, you know, the... The term missing is quite a simple term in itself. And, you know, the police focus has always been, you know, the difference between lost and found, bringing somebody home. But the complex trauma that families go through waiting for news about a loved one is often the focus that, you know, we don't necessarily capture. A lot of us listen to podcasts or watch true crime documentaries. And it sounds mystical and interesting and it's all about solving a mystery. But for families who are left behind, it's really about trying to live alongside the possibility of the person being both alive and dead all at the same time. And that can be really difficult in the sense that, you know, we know that grief is a universal experience. Every one of us is going to experience a loss in our lives. But without the information that tells us this loss is final, that's the complex teasing journey that families of missing people have to go through. Yeah. Now, the Australian charity, the Missed Foundation, which was previously known as the Missing Persons Advocacy Network, has produced a world-first training tool which you have been integral apart. You, you created these masterclass videos, um, the Ambiguous Loss Masterclass. Now, can you just tell us about this? This is for professionals who are involved around it and, and families that have no closure. This is quite special and a world-first. It is. And so all the way back in February or March of this year, we sat down with an amazing film crew that also um, provided their, um, their services for free. And they basically spent eight hours asking me to reflect on all of the learnings that I've had. So I've been working in missing persons for coming up to 20 years. So I first started working as a social worker, providing counselling support to families. But I decided that, you know, when you're stuck in a space where it's just one-to-one support, you don't get to share all of that knowledge that you gather with lots of people. So I quit my job about 12 years ago, started a PhD on the topic, and I've been researching in the space ever since. And lots of people at universities, we hide our information behind a paywall or, you know, in an online uh, library. This was about taking that knowledge and making it free and accessible to everybody. And so whilst, yes, the focus of the masterclass is police, search and rescue, coronial services, the media in particular, as well as families of missing people, we also hope that other people watch the masterclass and really reflect on what they can learn because you never know when missing is going to happen in your lifetime. Yeah, and that's the big thing, isn't it? Um, you, you just never know. Um, so how do people go about this? I mean, it's miss.org.au and, you know, yep. ALM, which is obviously, you know, the Ambiguous Loss Masterclass, and that's people right. shouldn't be cared, scared to go there and have a look. Like, they really no. should do this. This is there's some preventative, but there's also some healing in it. Um, and, I mean... Sarah, for yourself to actually focus on this, I mean, I could, how do I say, I mean, you would have to go through a lot of emotions in your own self as well because it might not be happening with you directly, but you're actually going about this 
with people who are. So that has an effect on yourself as well. So in a lot of Hugely. ways, this is this is a um, a healing process for yourself and trying to evolve while helping others. Exactly. I think, you know, as a researcher, our primary goal should be to give back to the community in whatever area that we're doing research in. And I think it was a really lovely opportunity to have the MIST Foundation say, you know what, we think that you've got some really interesting things that are going to be incredibly helpful for people. Would you like to come and talk about that and make sure that the information's out there? So when people contact me, and I get lots of contact internationally as well, it means I can actually now point to this resource and say, have a listen to this, have a watch, and then come back and ask me some more questions. So it's really helpful to be able to have a repository of those thoughts that are ultimately going to help a number of professionals and families. Yeah, I love that. Really appreciate your time this morning. Um, It's a good flag this week. Dr. Sarah Whalen, I thank you so much for being with us this morning and a great flag. Really appreciate your time. Thanks so much. Good on you. We'll take a break. Come back. This is Rural Queensland Today. Well, that's it from us here this morning at Rural Queensland Today on the 3rd of August, a Thursday morning. I hope you've enjoyed the show. We're back tomorrow morning from 9am. And remember, you can catch up on any of our previous episodes or this one. Just go to Spotify Rural Queensland Today on the Resonate Broadcast Network and we can give you every show that's been in the history of Rural Queensland Today. It's right there. Facebook page as well. And you can go on and you can see it all there as well. So have an enjoyable Thursday. Remember, when the weed is ripe, keep the headers rolling in the paddock. We are back tomorrow morning from 9. Stay safe on the roads. Till next time, from all the team here at Rural Queensland today, it's bye for now.